So I've got the balance sheet open up for night. Kay, do you want to speak a bit more about what the balance sheet is, where it's telling us what you look for as well when you're looking at this particular statement? Yeah. So the balance sheet um, essentially gives you a snapshot view of the company's financial position at a particular point in time. So it comprises of your company's assets. It's broken down into three sections. So a company's assets... What does the company own? Um, it could be machinery, um, other forms of equipment, property, plant. Um, and then you have intangible assets such as like the trade, like the brand names and so forth. And then it goes into the current assets. Um, so, sorry, I didn't elaborate in detail. So non-current assets are assets that the company intends to hold greater than one year. And then you have current assets, um, which is deemed something the company owns within, or it's liquid under one year. So for example, cash is liquid, um, stocks or inventory is liquid and so forth. Um, and then it's also broken down into liabilities. So again, long-term liabilities, such as any loan repayments, and then you have the short-term liabilities to go into detail, but, uh, or current liabilities, sorry, current liabilities, uh, beg your pardon. And then it gives you, um the equity in terms of um you know uh what belongs to the shareholders so to speak um so that's how it's broken down in a nutshell high level brilliant yeah absolutely absolutely so um just to add a bit more flavor um the balance sheet is a sheet that i i you know i'm sure many people have heard me say that hey if you've invested in a company and you've not looked at the balance sheet then I don't even think you're an investor <laughs> because the balance sheet shows the financial strength of um, the company. And uh, for any newbies, when you hear the term balance sheet, you wonder where does the term balance sheet comes from? Why is it balance? And it comes from something called the accounting equation. Like Kay said, Kay said, um, you've got assets, and you've got liabilities. So there is an accounting equation that says, hey, all your assets that you, you own should equal um, all the liabilities that you owe plus shareholder um, funds, basically. Another way to look at it is all the assets that you owe minus all the liabilities that you own will equal what's left for the for the shareholders' equity, basically. Um, and that's why it's called a balance sheet because it has to balance out. Now, on a personal level, the things that I look for um, is, you know, Kay said something about um, the current assets first and the current liabilities and any, anything that's current is usually anything that's um has a maturity or, or a time period of, of 12 months or, or a year and so if it's um something like an investment it means that investment will be liquidated within within 12 months uh, or if it's some sort of liability like like debt is something that needs to be paid within 12 months so just thinking about that if you're looking for an investment i want my current assets to, to be bigger, somewhat to some extent, I don't know how big it should be, but, you know, depending on how, you know, how you invest and the type of company, you want your current assets to exceed your current liabilities. It means you have less what we call liquidity risk because your current assets can fund your current liabilities. And there's so much more we can look at in the, in the balance sheet. But those are the kind of things that I will personally be looking for. Cash versus debt. Um, and assets versus liabilities. And obviously you want your assets to exceed your liabilities because the more your assets exceed your liabilities, the more we have for the shareholders like myself and yourself. 
brilliant, Jax. Um, and I guess from a financial terminology, so to speak, the total current versus the total liabilities, I guess what that's where you get the current ratio from as well. Exactly. What I've just described is the current ratio. Now, I like to keep things very simple. Now, you can call it the current ratio. It's all it is, is, is dividing the current um, assets by the current liabilities, or you can just look at it as well, let me just compare the current assets versus the current liabilities. Um, for terminology, there's another word for it. It's called a working capital. Um, you know, if you're looking at the current assets and you're taking away the current liabilities, that thing there is called um, the, the, uh, the working capital. Cool. So a, a task for you both, actually, Jackson K. So with Nike right now, um, they're, again, I've just got the, the balance sheet open. Their total assets is about 31 billion. Their total liabilities is, you know, uh, 23 billion, so to speak. But I'm just looking under their long-term debt, which is around 9 billion. Um, and in terms of their total current assets so their debt over the past five years has actually increased so 2016 it was 1.9 billion and now it's increased to 9.4 billion um that's obviously not a great well it depends that would inquire you to look at why they've taken on more depth as well but when you see stuff like that with with a big company like like Nike, what are you actually looking for okay they've taken on more debt but Oh, but, well, well, you've already answered the question by asking it, um, but why have they taken on more debt? Mm. What was the purpose? What, what are you taking on debt for? Because also, and this is where, you know, we talk about being an analyst and, and going to a bit more depth as to financial analysis and really understanding what the numbers actually mean. Because there's also a way to look at debt to say, hey, if a company has, um, doesn't have a lot of debt, then they may not be being efficient, right? they may not be um, maximizing their potential because if debt is cheap, for example, in a very low interest environment and you don't have any debt, but you've got just a lot of cash, the chances are, you, you know, you maybe you want to take a bit of credit. You want, you want to use some of your credit line. So um, it just really, really comes down to what they've taken out the debt for. Um, and you can find that that kind of information by reading things like the, the annual reports and, and that kind of stuff. Debt is not always a bad thing. Just generally, you know what debt really is. And so, you know, it's about just really understanding what the numbers mean and that kind of stuff. But, you know, you, you spoke about current ratio, um, the, the, the current assets versus current liabilities. Those things, um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I, I quickly tried to do the maths. And I think the current ratio is still above one. So it was about 1.34 or something like that. Um, that's a, I think in my opinion, that's a healthy current ratio. People have different guidelines. So some people say, hey, if you've got a current ratio of 1.5 and above, that's pretty, pretty um, safe and, and attractive. Because guess what? That's the next 12 months. And that's what really matters. But if you've got long-term debt, remember, um, and I always encourage people that come into the game very new to understand these things, to say, hey, think of the business as yourself, almost like your personal finances. Your long-term debt is your mortgage, for example. That's, that's long-term debt. You don't need enough cash in your bank account today to pay off your mortgage in the next 12 months, right? So if you've got long-term debt, you haven't got enough cash to produce, um, to pay off the long-term debt, but that's not something to worry about. What's, what needs to be worried about is your ability to grow the business, to con continually produce that free cash flow and that kind of stuff. But you don't want to have too much debt that exceeds, for example, your, your assets. And that would be a massive red flag to me. If I see your total liabilities exceed your total assets, 
then uh, the chances are uh, Mr. Jack's financial would not be investing in your company. <laughs> yeah, I fully get that. And again, that's where all of the other statements that KO was talking about in terms of the income and the cash flow comes into play as well, because it just tells the story about how much they're generating and what their business is, how their business has been performing over the last few years as well. So it's really good. It just brings everything together, so to speak. Yeah. And I think the key thing for um, anyone to take away is whenever you're doing this analysis and maybe one day, Peter, we go into much more depth talking about um, the, the ratio, more of the ratios, the PE ratio, the PS ratio, the EBITDA, EBITDA, all these technical terms, perhaps one episode, we can go into much more detail. But I think the key thing for people to remember from this episode is when you're doing your analysis, it you know, one, one thing doesn't give you the full answer. You have to do comparisons, like Kay said earlier. You have to compare it to other companies in the same sector. And even when you come across ratios, you have to compare those ratios to the, the company in itself relative to where it used to be historically. That's really, really important. Um, you can't just, you know, come out with numbers and say, hey, a, a you know, if the company has this, this amount of debt, I'm not touching it. Because guess what? It might be part of the business. If you're going to analyze a bank or a financial institution, they're going to have a lot of debt because that's how the business works, right? The business model is based on debt. So you can't, analyze a financial company the same way you would analyze a technology company or a healthcare company. It's very important to understand the business that the company is in and what the numbers actually mean for that business. Hmm. So, so many gems, man. Thanks for that, man. Okay, just before we actually do let you go, man, um, just to ask roughly because we get a lot of different types of listeners on different journeys. Um, for some of our newbies, I'll guess, I'll, I'll say, how much time would you say that you actually spend um, on researching these types of things um, about a company? Oh, before I answer that question, I just want to add on to what Jack said. So oh. in one of your previous questions, Peter, you asked me what would put me off. And I said debt. And I just want to clarify what I meant by that, because debt is not necessarily a bad thing. But why I said a high debt company will put me off is if their leverage or their uh, their debt is significantly high and there's no returns or for example they they have a high level of um, debt on their on their statements and you know their revenue is deteriorating their profit margins are deteriorating those are the warning signs or the red flags that mm-hmm. I would um, that I would use to stay away from so just wanted to clarify what I meant by staying clear of a company with high debt in addition to poor performances so that's what I meant um to answer your question in terms of how much time I mean for me because like I'm a chartered accountant so um and you know I I work with these things on a daily basis in terms of you know monthly profit and loss statements cash flow um and balance sheet so I think that's helped me to pretty much pick things up fast when I'm looking at financial statements so I think it will be different um, from person to person but I I guess it comes with practice I think initially um, people might be thinking what the heck is this but I think if you look for the key the key elements you know top line um, how is the company doing year on year how is it doing in comparison to its competitors Um, how are are its costs um, looking like is its cost-based managed Um, you know, I compare that to the industry average. Um, I, you know, things like that. Those come. It comes with practice um, uh, and, and experience. So, 
initially, I can't really give you a time frame, but it will take a fair amount of time for, um, you know, for a newbie or someone who doesn't know finance at all. But with practice and experience, um, they should be able to pick it up uh, fairly quickly. Um, I can't give you a time because it depends um, on, a, you know, person to person. But initially, as I mentioned, it might take time to, to decipher what these things mean. Um, and through practice, you'll be able to identify it quick. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, to, to add to that, I think one of the things that Warren Buffett says, um, and I think Benjamin Graham said it as well, is to, to remain within your circle of competence. Um, what we mean is, it's not every single business that you would understand. Um, and as I said earlier, it's not every financial statement that will make sense to you. Um, you know, some statements will look very different, but they might be telling you the same thing. And some statements will look very similar, and they might be telling you completely different things. So personally, I would encourage people to try and avoid um, companies that they just can't understand their business model. So for example, I'll give you an example. Um, me, myself, I struggle to be able to understand how, um, let's say, uh, genomic stocks. I'm very interested in them, but I just really struggle to understand the numbers, you know, and the patents and all that kind of stuff. I just don't know what I'm doing. So for that reason, I, I try and avoid spending a lot of time trying to understand the numbers. And if I know that I'm interested in investing in the, the theme of genomics, then I will capture that theme by investing in a index fund, a mutual fund or ETF, predominantly more an ETF. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people should be honest with themselves and say, hey, this business model, it may not be good for me. It, it may not be something I will ever understand. Earlier, I said something about financial um, institutions. You may not be able to understand um, how to you know, value a, a bank because banks um, you know, use a lot of debt and the way they do their business is very different from, let's say, a food company or a healthcare company. Um, but speaking about myself generally now, when I'm researching into individual stocks, it takes me um, probably somewhere between um, a week and a month yeah, I mean, and I'm quite experienced in doing this now, but it takes me usually about a week to a month to really, really understand the company's business model because it's not just about the financial statements. I need to understand um, who the CEO is, the management team. I need to listen to the conference calls. I need to be watching presentations. I need to be doing a whole bunch of stuff. I need to be listening to the CEO's interviews on CNBC at these places. And sometimes I need to read, be reading um, blogs and other people's opinions on these stocks to aid me, to, to add... Um, to add value for me to make a better informed decision. And now as time has gone on and becoming a more um, sophisticated investor, I like to write out what, what I call an investment thesis, which is at least a page of why I'm investing in this company, which includes things like why I may not invest in this company, why, what can go wrong and that kind of stuff. So for me, it takes much longer um, because especially if I'm, if I'm about to commit a, a large sum of money. Um, that being said, there are some investments I've made I've not committed that much time because the truth is I'm not going to invest a lot of money. It's just something that I'm, I'm pretty interested in. But if you're going to commit a large sum of money, you have to do your due diligence as much as possible. 
Brilliant, man. I love that, man. Um, you know, one of the things that I used to do back in the days when I was starting this journey, I, the reason why I talk about Nike so much because I used to get their um, annual reports. I hadn't put no money in them, but I was just um, just to understand and try and understand because it's a company that I know I use. I've used pretty much all my life. Um, so I used to read them um, quite a bit and then their quarterly results as well. And as you said, Jets joining um, to some of their news releases and updates and uh, press releases, etc. So and presentations. Um, and then after that, you just start to get used to it, particularly if it's a sector that you know quite well. But like the majority of our listeners, like all of us here, we're always learning. So the learning never stops. Warren Buffett is <laughs> as great as he is in this field. I'm sure he he sometimes learns something new as well. So we're just learning and hopefully it just never stops as well, man. The, the, le- the learning never stops. It never stops. And, you know, as I said, for example, the example I gave, you know, you can learn how to value, for example, a, a genomic stock. I, I just don't feel like it's my circle, circle of competence now, but later on it might be. For example, Warren Buffett hasn't, delved into much of the technology stocks. I'm sure somewhere, somehow, he probably wants to have a very quick look at some of my technology companies. <laughs> so um, the learning never stops. And, you know, this is an exciting field. And what I want to encourage people is there's something that I learned um, a few years ago called, called mental compounding. And it's something that's really helped me mentally. Essentially, when you start learning something new, it initially is very difficult. Um, and the first maybe week, month, six months, maybe in a year, it still seems quite difficult that, you know, you're, you might not be grasping things and that kind of stuff. But what happens is the more you, the more time you dedicate to these things, all of a sudden you start to understand it. And the more you understand, the more you understand, if that makes sense. And by the time you know it, you get to a stage where you understand a lot of the foundation stuff, such that even something difficult comes on, you might not understand it straight away, but you have the tools and the know-how to even find the answer. And that's kind of the stage that I'm at right now. There's still so much learning to be done, but I've got to that stage where, hey, I might have come across something, may not understand it, but I've got the tools in place to go and actually find that thing out for myself. Brilliant, man. Loving, loving this, loving this, man. Listen, man, thank you so much. And uh, Kay, just an absolute pleasure having you. And why I'm just actually going to throw to the both of you actually is there's going to be some listeners that, again, with some of these numbers, these statements, they may feel they may just never understand uh, this. But of course, it doesn't mean they cannot um, put their money to good use via investing. What would be your support guidance uh, to those groups of people? Where can they get more help around this do do they need to get help can they just turn on a youtube video can they just listen to this uh, podcast episode what can they do well first and foremost i have to say this again you don't have to invest in individual companies so you don't have to be a stock picker i don't mm. and i think there's a you know there's an excitement that comes with it and obviously i love it i love the idea of researching stocks but not everybody has the time nobody not everybody has the temperament to do with the fluctuations of individual stocks. Um, you know, KK mentioned something about debt and it's interesting because I don't like companies that like debt either. And what you notice is the companies that tend to go bankrupt in, t- in tough times are those companies that have a lot of debt, for example. So, you know, it's, it's something that I would look for when I'm investing for individual companies, but someone who doesn't really know what they're doing, might invest in a company that has a lot of debt, that company can go bankrupt. And so you can lose all your money. Whereas if you invest in a well-diversified portfolio of funds, if, you know, the S&P 500 was to go, uh, you know, was all to lose their money within a period of time, 
Um, I think you losing your money will be the least of your problems. If the largest 500 companies in America go bankrupt, well, it's probably judgment day. So um, that's the, those are the things I would like to encourage people. You don't have to be an individual stock picker. You can gain exposure to the stock market by investing in funds or even totally outsourcing it to a platform like some of these robo advisors and that kind of stuff. If you want to learn how to stock pick, and I do encourage people to um, learn, maybe not, you don't have to make it a majority of your portfolio, but if you want to learn how to invest in individual companies, there's so much content out there on YouTube. There's so many blogs out there um, that you can you can read. For example, I read, um, and these are not recommendations, but I read, for example, the Multi for um, their blog is pretty decent. There's a whole bunch of YouTube channels that talk about stocks, but I'll be very, very careful as well to not be misled by um, some of the, you know, YouTubers who, you know, do this for, for the views rather than for the educational element. So it is, it is about just reading books. If you want to read books, you can read The Intelligent Investor, very difficult book, book to read. I always, I always kind of encourage people to read books like uh, Beat Industry, which is my favorite book, or One Up on Wall Street. But you just have to get your head in the game. Simple as you have to get ahead in the game um, and, and just, you know, roll up your sleeves and get stuck in. And over time, I think you'd be all right. Brilliant, man. Love that, Jax, man. You mentioned funds and we're very big on funds. And uh, we spoke about that quite a bit on episode 32 and 33, which is by the haystack, not the needle, which is the case for funds, investment funds. So please do make sure you check that out. And you mentioned a couple of books uh, there, uh, Jax. We just released uh, an episode called The Power of Reading. Again, check that out, man. Um, definitely lots of uh, good feedback on that. Um, Jack, okay, uh, okay, before I touch on you for final word before we let you go for our listeners as per usual and uh jacks as well we give a shout out to listeners um from a new city across the world or from a city um across the world which we've not given a shout out to on this uh, occasion we're going to give a shout out i don't know if i'm going to pronounce this correctly so apologies in advance but this shout out um this city is called latiana which is a city in india so Jack's care is just going to give a massive shout out to all of our listeners over in Ladhiana in India, man. Big them up, man. Big them up. Um, and we're here. Um, we're, we're praying for you. Um, Absolutely. You um, um, for a speedy recovery. And, you know, we're all behind you. But, yeah, thank you so much for listening to our, our podcast. I hope you guys are gaining a lot of knowledge from the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Our thoughts definitely with you, man. Thank you very much for the listeners and listeners all over that tune in. Thank you. You know what to do. If this has proved valuable and um, what you've heard, you know what to do, man. So do um, help the podcast out by sharing it with others as well. K, man, any final words from you? Um, final words from me is um, people shouldn't be bogged down if they don't know how to read or interpret financial statements it's not the end of the world as jack's alluded to there's um there's funds and some funds tend to even outbeat um people who pick stocks individually um there's a whole bunch of content out there in terms of how to read financial statements um there's a few books um i think there's even a couple of books by warren buffett himself in terms of like what he uses to 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 value companies and the, the metrics and the you know the key ratios and so forth so there's a lot of stuff out there um as i said it may take time but once you get the hang of it i think it's even helpful it helps you be more commercially aware you know it helps you understand the drivers of 
certain business operations, you know, the key drivers into their revenue sales um, and so forth. So, um, yeah, I, I would, I mean, me personally, I would encourage everyone to do their own due diligence and, you know, understand the nuts and bolts of a company um, just to make them commercially aware and it's helpful for them. So that would be my concluding statement or sentence. But it's not the end of the world if you don't know how to. There's many other ways to to essentially beat the market or make a significant amount of return on your investment other than just researching companies individually. Nice one, K, man. Really, really lots of love for that, man. Uh, K, man, I know you work on different bits and pieces. You have different hats on as well. Um, if you want, um, feel free to let us know where our listeners can find you as well. And if not, no worries, I'll edit it to spit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's, it's completely separate to fi- nothing finance related. It's more on the, the, the fatherhood blog. So, yeah, I'm just... I've taken a break for the time being, um, but I'll be back shortly. Um, my blog is dadalovesme.com. Just talking about fatherhood and the journey throughout the whole process. So, yeah. And listen, and Jax, I'm sure you will agree, I'm not a father yet, but some of the information I've read on that blog is just phenomenal and eye-opening as well. So definitely to our listeners, do check that out, man. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate you guys for having me once again. I look forward to um, future episodes with you guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, final words, um, as Peter and Kay have said, you know, there is a case for funds. There is a case for various different ways to generate return um, from an investment aside from stock picking. But like Kay said, I think stock picking and learning how to uh, value companies, learning how to understand financial statements is a skill that will help anyone that also wants to be in business because ultimately that's what stocks are. When you buy stocks, you are buying ownership in, in businesses. And if you can understand a financial statement, from an investor's perspective, it will also help you become a better business person if you are someone who is very interested in one day owning your business, which also I'm an advocate for. The worthless people out there are people that own businesses. And it also allows you to be more commercially aware. I think that's very important. Um, one thing I have noticed um, in recent times is many, many people actually now understand that, hey, economics, business, and that kind of stuff is not just something we do to uh, make money, but it's important for the economy and us, the consumers, because we are agents of the, of the economy as well. So I do encourage people, even if you don't want to learn it in depth, just understanding um, what statements are and understanding business to a very basic level and understanding macroeconomics can really, really just help you to be a bit more commercially aware. Brilliant, man. Thanks for that, Jats. Very insightful. Kay, thank you very much for joining us and coming back and visiting us again. We will definitely welcome you on again, man. And remember, all to our listeners, stay Stay woke. woke.